0: Every visionary needs an integrator and every integrator needs a visionary, I'm absolutely the visionary.
1: Welcome to Beyond Clean with Jim, a podcast that brings to you on your schedule and your environment current and relative conversations on subjects that impact you, the individuals in the cleaning industry who save lives every day. Beyond Clean with Jim is streaming to you through Podbeam from their studios inside Jim's Supply in Central Florida. From their six locations, Jim Supply has been improving lives with Clean Supply since 1930. Check out our options today for education, product, and equipment at GymSupply.net. Check out the seven pillars of the Gym difference. At Jim, we are not just another vendor, we are your partner. Now let's join your host, Dave Thompson, as he talks with yet another influencer in the cleaning industry here on Beyond Clean with Jim. Hello everyone, this is Dave Thompson. As you heard in the introduction, I am your host here at Beyond Clean. You know, we um, syndicate this on several different podcast channels, so wherever you're listening to it today. um, You know, we are recording this on the first official holiday of Juneteenth. So uh, if you're listening here live with us today, we appreciate you taking some of your holiday to join us. If you're not, and you're listening to this in a recording, welcome. Today I have with me Bob De Pasquale, and you know, as I look at all of the different people that I can talk with here at Beyond Clean, and, and if you understand, Beyond Clean means we don't just talk about cleaning all the time. Well, it's... Typically, the message, but you know, I I took kind of a liking to this uh, um, information on Bob's website radical generosity. Now, I guarantee you, if that isn't a catchphrase, I don't know what is, but then again, it says your impact on lives. So, before I get into this too far, and what my thoughts are. I want to make sure that Bob's on the other end of the line where I can have a conversation with somebody other than myself, Bob.
0: I'm here, my friend. It's good to be here. I, it's exciting. And I love your I love your willingness to kind of dive into this topic with me, even though I may not be your, uh, your typical guest or expertise that you have on the show, but it should be fun.
1: Well, you know, Bob, that's why we call it Beyond Clean because we talk about everything. You know, that's the thing is, is in the cleaning industry, You know, other people think all we do is wash windows and clean toilets and replace toilet paper. We do a whole lot more than that. (laughs) I
0: I do. You know what? If I'll be honest. That's probably the first couple of things that I think that I would go to in the the industry. Um, But you are right. You're a clever title to the show. It's beyond uh, just the cleaning tasks that you might think of. So that should be great.
1: You know, we, li- we do live lives, and I think that's what's interesting here. You know, I think of this, Bob, you know, I am, uh, you know, turned 65 uh, here in a few months, and so I would say I'm in the last 10 years of my uh, 50-year career, um, and, you know, I-, I think that's the message that I want to get across to people is, you know, and-, and there's three words that we go by, Bob, here on the show, healthy, positive, and proactive, and, It's the impact that we have on lives by our life experiences. And folks, I gotta tell you, Bob's got some experiences here. So Bob, what's the experiences and what are we gonna talk about today?
0: Well, I would love to talk a little bit about the power of generosity in my life, uh, how it's kind of helped me and, and shaped the last 20 years or so. So that's one thing I would love to talk about. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about implementing some things in professional and personal lives moving forward so that we can all be a little bit more generous. And yes, radical generosity is my catchphrase. Uh, So I believe strongly in that concept and we can talk about that too. Generosity is an important part of my life. So, um, you know, you you mentioned how you might be in the last 10 years of your career or so. Well, I want you to think all the way back to when you were 18 years old. Um, Now, when I was 18, I don't know about you, but I felt like I was invincible and I thought that nothing could take me down. Um, is that how you felt?
1: Well, yes, I think so. I think most 18 year olds feel that way, Bob.
0: Yeah. I think we feel a little bit, uh, and I'm not saying everyone and it's a hundred percent of the time, but I think a lot of the time, you know, maybe when you're 18, you may- maybe don't realize mortality or, or realize how, uh, Vincible to, to make up a word, you are right. I think there's um, forces in life that we have things that happen and we have to teach ourselves or we have to learn that. And so some of us learn it over time, some of us learn it overnight. My experience was kind of unique. I thought I was, I thought I was at that point, I was going off to college. I lived, grew up in South Florida for the most part, was going back to New York where I was born for school to play football, hopefully get an education. Thought I was going to be. Thought that was going to be a great, a, a nice life for me. And so I was in training camp uh, playing football. And, you know, a college training camp is a little bit different than a than a high school one. I mean, there's a lot more people. There's a lot more going on. It's a lot more intense. Uh, there's a lot more, uh, it's a lot more, it's a lot more mental effort as well. So there's a lot going on, but I think it was a good structured environment for me. Uh, unfortunately, though, I thought I had what I, what I thought was a groin pull. Which, you know, I don't know if you've ever pulled a groin muscle, but that has to be the most, uh, you know, one of the most debilitating injuries, forget for an athlete, but just for the average person trying to oh, get, yeah. you know, walk around, stand, sit, whatever it might be, um, no less run down a football field. So I thought I had this injury, and I, would, I would do this rehab exercise and picture me on sitting on a, a three wheel stool and the part the the exercise is basically shimmying across this massive training room, which once again, comparing a high school and a uh, a college training room is a much different experience. At 530, 6 o'clock in the morning, with a hundred people running around, it's loud and people getting treatment, and I'm trying to dodge people just to get across the room. That's my exercise. Now, at one point, a couple of days into this, the head trainer, and he's a you know a smaller guy. He's probably you know five eight, if not five six maybe you know 120 pounds soaking wet uh stands up on this box and this is how he used to get everyone's attention if he needed to and it was you know, all that commotion going on at least it seemed at this moment that everything got silent it may not have been like that but this is how i felt and the head trainer <laughs> stands on this box and, and and he calls me out in front of the whole team basically calling me a weakling in front of the whole team and this was a, a major shock yeah. to my ego but he's like bobby you got to get back out on the field. Like, how do you expect to be on this team if you can't play? And I was like, Oh man. Well, I, I told him, I, I had a little bit more private conversation with him. I was like, Rick, listen, man, I, I, something's wrong. Like I can't, this is not right. It's not getting any better. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I want to be out there and playing. I, I want to prove myself. So he said, all right, well, let's think about this and maybe I'm going to send you for some more tests. So over a period of about a week, just about every day I went to another doctor's appointment and I would be there for a couple of hours getting different tests and ultrasound. Okay. Every test you could think I, in a book. And at one point um, it was a Thursday and I had yet another, another test or net another doctor's appointment. And my parents were actually flying up. And by this point we knew I wasn't playing in my first game, even though they had already scheduled this trip. And that game was supposed to be Saturday a couple days later. So, I I went to this appointment expecting to be there for a couple hours. for Lauderdale to New York. And interestingly, I the appointment was only like 10 minutes long. I sat down. The doctor looks me in the eye and says, Bobby, you have cancer. And that was it. Wow. That was the whole meeting. And I was like, all right, so what do I do now? And he's like, you know, don't worry. We'll be in touch. Let you know. Now, I'm 18, so I'm technically an adult, but I had been driving around Long Island like you know by myself going to all these appointments and then like this call so i came out of the appointment and not expecting to be out that early but my phone rang immediately like the timing was impeccable and it was my mom and she says oh hey we landed we're in the car we're on the way to your uncle's house which is where we were going to meet and he's, she's like well how did the appointment go and i was like uh well let me tell you about that so tell her what happened i mean i wasn't gonna lie and you could just tell that she was like devastated driving in, and my dad was on the other end i could hear him he's like susan that's my mom's name susan susan like what's going on like he knew something was wrong too so we all headed back to my uncle's house we met there and you know said a few prayers shed a couple tears and we're just kind of staring at each other like well what do we do now so A couple days went by it's now saturday the day of what was supposed to be my first game but we're all at my uncle's house obviously i wasn't there and my uncle tim comes over his house and he's like hey bob and susan nice to meet you i want to give you my car here's my keys take my car for as long as you need it i can only imagine what you're going through with your son right now i know you have to drive all over the place to go to these doctor's appointments take my car and that was it and my parents were like flabbergasted they were like staring i'm like i can't believe you're giving what, what what like someone would give me their car and my he says goodbye to my uncle and the family and he was there for maybe 15 minutes and he left and we're all like wow that's crazy what what an actor of generosity how nice is that so that was saturday now we had spoken with my an oncologist and he told me well you we're going to treat you Not exactly sure how yet but we're going to come up with a treatment plan And I need to, but I, but I need you to continue to like live your life. Like, don't just drop out of school, stay in New York. We want to treat you up here. Don't go back to Florida, still take a couple classes. So I didn't drop out all of my college classes. I was going to stay and, and, you know, keep my mind busy, if you will. So my first college class was following Monday. Uh, that was totally normal. Went out, went to a couple of doctor's appointments later that day tuesday morning got up for my second ever college class i went into the class and uh it's like an hour and a half long whatever i came out of the class it's still in the morning and i went to the co- the cafeteria which was like right near the hall where i had my class and i was going to grab something to eat and i'm sitting there and i'm eating like a breakfast burrito or something and i'm watching this the news now I, I just moved up to new york i don't know the news stations i don't know the anchors but it just happened to be on tv you know if you can picture one of those, like, tube televisions hanging from a bracket in the corner of the ceiling and the wall, you know what I'm talking about?
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. We've, we we all watched those back then.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I'm sitting there eating and watching, and the news is on, and all of a sudden, a plane hits one of the Twin Towers in Manhattan. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. What a, what a horrible accident. So I called my dad, I'm like, hey, you watching the news? He's like, yeah, did you just see that? I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. We're talking for like, you know, not, not even a minute and bam, the other plane hits the other Twin Tower. And my dad's like, "Uh, that's not an accident. You should probably come back to your uncle's house. So, I mean, I hightailed it out of there. I didn't even finish my breakfast. I left it there. I jumped in the car and I, it took me, it was typically a 15 minute drive from my school to my uncle's house, but it took me nine hours. And I'm driving, watch it with a tower, and I'm in New York, so the towers are like burning in the distance. And I now after school, I after undergraduate, I went to grad school. I have a master's degree in broadcast journalism. I actually worked in radio for a couple of years. But I will never ever listen to nine straight hours of AM radio again. But
1: <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but I can <laughs> I, I could just see nine hours of any radio. For at, at AM to be oh gosh yeah.
0: yeah so I mean it was it was but it was riveting I'll tell you I mean I I so I pulled into my uncle's house after listening to nine straight hours uh, my uncle's neighborhood actually and after all that AM radio you would think I had enough well my car I ran out of gas in his neighborhood oh, and we gosh. had to, we had to push my car into the driveway we push it in. And we go inside, and my aunt is hysterical because she can't, she it's been all day. She has not been able to get a hold of him. And he was on business the night before in Denver, due to fly home. So he so finally, like, I don't know, maybe seven o'clock or so rolls around and he calls and he says, Guys, I'm alive. Thank God I'm I'm okay. I I you know, I got stuck, my plane, my, my flight couldn't leave, and and we were so relieved. We're like, Oh my gosh, thank God. So he's like, I'm okay, I'm gonna try to catch a flight tomorrow. Um, but, but my friend, my friend, Tim, unfortunately was in the towers this morning and he died. And we were like, wait, so the Tim who just gave us the car, we're like, yeah, he's like, yeah, my best friend, Tim. And we were like, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Um, here's a guy who, you know, committed like one of the most generous acts, we, you know, or the most generous act and everyone's ever done for us, uh, by giving us his car just a couple days earlier and he lost his life in the towers. And, Turns out that he worked for Canada Fitzgerald, which is an investment bank there in New York, and they had you know thousands of people probably on on their staff at that office there, and they would be in the office early on, on Monday mornings, and they all died. Now they would donate uh, office space to my uncle's foundation for cystic fibrosis, which is a disease my cousin has. It's a respiratory, immune, and and uh, digestive. Dis- it's got you know it, it's it handles affects your lungs, and so they've really done a lot of research, raised a lot of money for it, but um now tammy was the only lady who would typically be in the office that early for uh, on on in in the morning and she was uncharacteristic uncharacteristically late that morning got caught in the subway underneath when the plane hit and thankfully she escaped Um, but the stories that she tells are just unbelievable about that and so all of this happened in such a short period of time and um you know you you kind of asked me to kind of go down the road of you know what's like what's been the driver of my life and what's important especially when it comes to generosity and um i got treated it took it took uh till about december i had a very aggressive form of testicular cancer that had spread to my abdomen and my doctor was uh, extremely confident that i could be cured but he said listen this is extremely aggressive and if you wouldn't have come in like you might not have been here and um but we're going to treat it really aggressively, and you'll be okay. He was very, very confident I'd be cured, and sure enough, I was. It took me another month or so to get over like the mental aspect of it, like kind of just clearing my head and say, "Can I get back to normal life? Somewhat normal, at least." Um, but it took me years to get out to, to work through the emotions and to really think about what happened to me, happened to me, and, and the world and our country at that point. And I didn't even it didn't even occur to me uh, all of the forces in life. That were generous. I mean, Tim was the most uh, obvious one because of what he did for us. Clearly, before you know, before the attacks, uh, but there were some things that I didn't realize. I thought I was going to be the best cancer patient you could possibly ever be. I mean, I did what. I drank the exact amount of water to the ounce that my oncologist told me to. I ate the foods I was supposed to at the exact times I was supposed to. I slept the exact amount of hours. I avoided every, not one piece of food that I was not supposed to have, sugar, can't whatever it was that he told me not to eat, I didn't go anywhere near. And I thought for years that i be cancer. You know, I was the one who took, took it down and, you know, it was because I was such a great cancer patient. Um, but come to find out that there were numerous forces in my life um, that were there to help me get through. And I realized you can't do it alone. And one of the most powerful forces in our world uh, is generosity. And the human body and mind was designed to benefit others. And it's, and it's proven. And I, I have all kinds of scientific evidence and anecdotal personal experience type of evidence um, that generosity is extremely important. So that's almost 21 years ago now Um, that that happened. And it's been, most of my life since then um, has, I try to stay, keep that top of mind and not a day goes by. And this is not an exaggeration either. Every day, um, whether it was Tim and his generosity, uh, my oncologist, how that happened. It's a crazy story how I actually found the doctor that treated me. uh, The other people, there's some stories about my cousin who was dealing with his own illness and how our parents kind of um encouraged us to spend time together and kind of wallow in our sorrows together and we built a relationship so there's just a lot of things that happened during that period of time and i believe uh generosity and specifically radical generosity which i believe is what tim displayed when he offered my parents his car and i believe that's a really important thing so for the rest of my life um i'm not going to d- be able to, to express it all the time but i'm going to try to be as generous as i possibly can and help other people
1: you know bob i, I- in a very small way, compared uh, two years ago, I went through heart surgery, and I understand when you say every day because every day when I take the shower and I look at myself in the mirror, I see the scar, and you do not forget. But you know that's the reason that we use the three words, folks, on this show: healthy, positive, and proactive. You know, it's not what happens in our life. It's what we do with those to have a positive and proactive effect on other people's lives. Uh, as a COPD sufferer as well, from what I did in my youth, as you said earlier, Bob, in my my teens and 20s, uh, I have COPD. So, you know, from these two things that affect us personally, then what is it that we do with this? And, you know, I read something on your website if you don't mind, Bob, you are the founder as um, of Intimate Impact Virtual Family. Can you please explain a little bit?
0: Yep, absolutely. So, uh, Initiate Impact Virtual Family Offices is the firm that my business partner and I founded a, a little over a year ago. Um, so, I worked. I mentioned how I worked in radio uh, for a couple of years. I actually got recruited. It's another long story, but I got recruited uh, out of the radio sports broadcasting industry into the financial industry. And it's kind of interesting how that happened. But here I am uh, 13, 14 years later, and my business partner and I worked for one firm, a big firm for many, many years. We loved working there, fulfilling work. They taught us. I mean, I cut my teeth, learned everything about the industry there. And then sometime during the pandemic, my business partner and I had this kind of epiphany, if you will, that you know there were some other things that we could possibly do in this industry and unfortunately in that model that business model we were just unallowed we were just not allowed to do them and we were getting asked by our clients to provide some services that we just we, we weren't able to and so we decided to open our own company and the part of the reason was you know one of the main reasons was that what they were asking us to do and so now we um, we own and operate this firm where we work with purpose-driven families to help them use their wealth and influence to make a positive impact in the world. And it's a really, really great feeling because we're working with a lot of generous people. And it's an amazing feeling when, um, when you find out that there really are people out there who care so deeply about a cause or humanity or whatever it might be. And they're, they're successful by, you know, and, you know, different definitions, you might think, whether it's financial or in business or with their influence or product or service that they've developed that has really changed an industry, um, but there's something more important than just the bottom line of their business. And they come to us and they say, Bob and Stacy and everyone at Initiate Impact, how can you help me uh, be a good steward of what the resources I have and use everything that I've been blessed with to make the world a better place? And you know, we handle some of the not so exciting behind the scenes financial aspects of those things. You know, some of the typical things that you might think that a financial firm handles, like investment management and retirement planning and working with your taxes and estate planning. You know, we handle. We have our expertise in those things, um, but it enables um, enables us and our team to really focus on helping families accomplish a mission um, that that those other things are important towards, but those other things are just tools to help, to help them accomplish something great and leave a really lasting legacy in, in the world. So um, that's what we do at Initiate Impact. It's great, fulfilling work, and um, we really do. We partner with these families to help them accomplish something great.
1: You know, I'm thinking that the mountains, uh, snow-covered mountains, and the person looking at them on your website has some meaning
0: you know i think we all have our own uh experiences and views and ways of looking at the world um i found tremendous uh complementary skills and thoughts and views with the people that we work with that have enabled us to really make a difference i think i mean i believe so and so when you look at some of those images on our website i know i just i i've this is an issue with us because I, I'm constantly looking at ways to update the site and, you know, use different imagery to attract different people. But what I found is that, um, you know, th- there's so many different options out there that I really can't define what that means to someone, you know, like there's some, there's the images of the, uh, of the windmills there that are generating, you know, that are generating power. So there might be someone who's, Who's uh, you know a meaningful cause to them is is solar power and and being having a more sustainable earth and energy systems in our world, um, but there's other people that have come to us and said those those windmills just you know they they sig- they signal signify something else to them you know meaning you know they signify. Uh, progress and um, other, you know, other ways of connecting with people. I don't know what it might be. Or, or the snow-capped mountains. For some people, it signifies travel. For others, people, it signifies, you know, we need to do a better job with global warming. I mean, it just depends. And um, so I, I don't define anyone's specific meaning or purpose, um, but I do find that when I understand it better, I'm, I'm more able to help and we're more able to help them accomplish that mission.
1: Folks, if you've never been to Bob's uh, website, I just want to tell you that uh, one of the things it says here, purposeful seeking of fulfillment in your life, and I think that's just what he explained. You know, how are you going to fulfill your life at this point, and what are you doing with your past experiences? You, You know, Bob, I suppose that people want to focus on those bad things in your life, you don't do that
0: (laughs) no uh we're we're i I generally consider myself positive realist um so i do acknowledge things that are bad i think we can learn from them and i think that's important um so we don't run from what's bad um but we use it for fuel to push us forward and there's you know they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and you know as old as that saying is is i i truly believe it um i because i think about it i mean, think the, the experiences i've had in my life whether it's cancer or 9-11 or you know any other smaller not new things that may not have been quite that bad but um you know all of them have been lessons in my life and so you know when you talk about that that verbiage on my website that's my personal website i appreciate you mentioning my professional website my personal one, by the way um i that that there really is true like i think i i don't think fulfillment and joy and happiness in life are like some special event i don't think that any one thing you know even if it's the greatest thing in your life like even if it's your wedding or your child being born or marriage, you know whatever it might be even not no one isolated single event supplies endless amount of joy for the rest of your life it just doesn't work like that i believe that fulfillment and doing uh, you know, experiencing joy in your life is is a process. It's purposeful. It's absolutely purposeful. It's not, you don't stumble upon greatness and joy. Like I didn't one day wake up and say, man, I just feel really great today because you know, the Yankees won the world series or whatever it is, whatever you're into. It's, you gotta intentionally work towards it. And to be honest with you, the journey, and I'm sure you might be able to, to echo this one, I mean, in your long and productive and successful career in your industry, it doesn't, it wasn't like overnight, one night, you're like, oh man, I really done a lot in this world. No, it, it takes time. And it, the journey is so much more important than the destination.
1: You know, you know, there is a journey that we all have to go through. And, uh, you know, i uh, and, and you'll see as I close out our session today, how I look at that. Um, Yes, a career is a culmination of life experiences. If we don't have the valleys, we don't realize how high the peaks are. And, you know, when I looked at your site, I looked at, you know, there's still more to accomplish uh, with with our lives. And as we move forward, how many other people can we pull out of those valleys by encouraging and as you say being generous with our time you know in my life now i have more time to be generous with uh so it's how am i going to use that time in those last years of of my career um what what is it that really makes you want to get up and go forward these days with everything you've been through Mm
0: Well, it's always going to come back to using what I have to make the world a better place. I mean, I don't, you know, when I, first of all, when I wake up in the morning, I'm just thankful and I have a a short gratitude time where I've just, I try to be thankful for what I have and every day, every day is truly a blessing. Now, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. You know, once my short gratitude period is over, it's time to get to work. Like, what's going to motivate me?
1: (laughs) I got you there. It's like you know, somebody says, "How's how are you today?" I go, "I'm alive and looking at you, and glad to be here." Let's go on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, David. So exactly, you got it, man. So, um, thank just being thankful that I'm alive. Sure, Uh, that is that's the driving force in life. Whether I have a busy day or a lazy day, or I'm on vacation or in deep work. But once I get to that point, you know, when I have that period of time during my day, uh, my motivation is really to. to, I always look at my calendar the night before, and I know when I wake up that morning that I know who I'm going to interact with that day, and whether it's a podcast like this with you and and hopefully some listeners or you know resonate with what we're saying here today, or whether it's a business call or some time with my wife or my family, I know who I'm going to interact with that day, and. That's my motivation that day. I have another interaction with a certain amount of people. You know, it could be anywhere from one to 10 people a day usually. And um, I have an opportunity to to be kind and generous to those people. And whether that's just telling them, thank you for offering me something, or that's actually providing a service for them. Those are all great opportunities. And, and if I can have that moment the night before so that when i wake up the next day i'm ready to jump in and and excited about communicating with those people that's great like for example, like today is a great thing like so you're the fourth person david that i've uh interacted with today um so when i woke up this morning at 5 a.m like i always do and i knew um i knew the i knew the let's see there's five people now that i will be interacting with today on this calendar Um, I knew immediately because I knew from last night who I was going to interact with. I knew immediately. I was like, oh, cool. This is going to be an opportunity to communicate with Dave and hopefully be generous to him in even the smallest of ways. Uh, That will be nice. So that's what motivates me. I mean, being able to put a name and maybe not a face because in this today's digital world, we're not, you know, we're not looking at each other right now. Uh, But be able to put a name and a a personality behind the people I'm going to interact with and hopefully be generous to is is. Such an awesome motivation. Um, I used to know the guy. So I used to know a, a person who was known for being like the greatest person in the world with names. Like he remembered everyone's name. He met him once a year later. He would ask me, "Oh, hey Bob, how's you know Bill or whatever?" And I was like, "How do you even remember Bill's name?" Oh yeah. Um, and he told me, he explained to me that him hey, when he was younger, he used to not be. When I, at this point we're having this conversation, the guy was probably sixty-five years old, and he told me when he was younger. He didn't have a, uh, like, he was horrible with names and didn't connect with people and would just kind of keep to himself and, and wasn't a bad person. Like, he was a great person, never got in trouble or anything, but just really wasn't interacting and, like, building those relationships and, and, and really being generous with his, with his mind. Like, his, he wouldn't have a generous ear, if you will, to people. And he said it took him some time. He had to work at it and figure out how he could be at it. But he was determined to be generous uh, with with his ear. And listen to what people mean. And he said once he did that, he never had a problem remembering people's names ever. And I always that always hits me when I think about that opportunity to communicate with people. So um I'm not I'm not probably as good as he is he is at it, but you talk about motivation. Um he's he's motivated by making actual connections with people. And hopefully I can do that every day in my work and my personal life.
1: You know Bob, I knew somebody in my career that was able to do that, and I, I was always astonished at his ability. do that and he had a story you know when he was a kid just like what you said Um, try as i might over my career i've never been able to do that it is one of the hardest things i've always had to deal with Uh, we all have those pluses and minuses uh, those things that uh, we can and can't do um you know i was i was also thinking about do you do you like to make appearances with just a few people to connect with or, or do you, do you like these, um, appearances where you can get hundreds of people in an auditorium together? Uh, I mean, you know, every, everybody has these things. They, you know, more gravitate to, I'm just curious.
0: Well, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to sit the fence on you, David, um, both and, my <laughs> legit-
1: <laughs> well, I kind of figured that was what you were gonna say.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, but my, here's my legitimate answer, though. So, okay. I am absolutely a extroverted. Love the a big crowd, energy. I love being on stage. I'm not going to lie, I got a bit of an ego maybe. That maybe that's it, but I love communicating a strong message with a lot of people because I believe in the power of community and I believe that people strengthen numbers. You know, if you've ever heard a good comedian talk, he he, he or she will always tell you that you got to have a group of people they there has to be Uh, there has to be commonality between a group of people for for their jokes and their their message to resonate. And I believe that applies for all of this type of stuff, right? Like communicating with people, when you get a group of people together and they're hearing the same message and buying in, there's nothing more powerful and nothing more memorable about that. And your message, your message will be remembered. Um, But at the same time, an intimate, small group of people for a powerful, deep discussion on maybe a, uh, on a specific topic or or maybe just getting to know people on that level. Um, you know, I, if if I'm speaking in front of, I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there, 100,000 people like hypothetically, right? Sure, you could share a great message and if, and if it catches on, it's going to be a powerful talk. Um, but am I going to connect individually with each one of those people? No. And so I think both of them are needed. I think a, a, a close knit group of people in one's life is a powerful, powerful force. And so I think they actually help each other. I think your ability to connect with people on a small level enables you to go deeper and be challenged in ways that you never could by a large group. And, but, but if that small group is the right group of people and you've curated them and you have those smaller, more intimate meetings, I think your effectiveness in communicating to a larger audience is that much better.
1: You know, I I totally understand what you're saying because I've had groups of hundreds of people in front of me, and you know I always find those ones in the crowd that really engage, really get it, really you've touched, and you know as a speaker you you do well. Let's say you you rise to the energy of the of the people, and uh, that that's always exciting. On the other hand, just like you. You know, folks, whenever we have those one-on-one classes, uh, people go, why do you do a one-on-one? You know, your time's so valuable because it's that, that connection of being able to impact that person in a positive way. And I just love that light bulb moment when they get it and you go, you know what? I think that's going to impact them in a way that I'll never know ever. Uh, and, you know, you. I, I think what you're saying here, when you talk about radical generosity, I don't have to know what that impact was. Just knowing that I was able to have it is gratitude enough.
0: Yes, yes. And, you know, people talk about, you know, the, the word radical, I think it has multiple definitions and people may not understand what it is. And I appreciate the way you've said this, because I think a lot of things in this world these days, there's so many tools and hacks and tips and technology to help us plan for everything or have everything done automatically, that we forget the the, the need for spontaneity at times. Uh-huh. And I could be wrong in that, I mean, I, I'm probably living it in my life too. Like, I mean, listen, I have a whole business revolving around helpful, helpful helping people be as specific and planned as they possibly can with their generosity. So maybe I'm the wrong person to speak with, but I think you're right. And there is some semblance of radical generosity uh, in spontaneity. And we talk about what Tim O'Brien did in my life and for my family with the car. That wasn't some big pre-planned event. He didn't think about that, but it was absolutely radical. And sometimes radical is, you know, my definition of radical is, is something done or it's being done Uh, where most people would consider it inadvisable. It's not something that it's not a natural thought or way of doing it. A lot of times things that happen spontaneously are like that. You do them not because it's the perfect right plan thing to do. You do it because it feels right. And it's a little bit of a risk. And here's another thing, another point that I like to bring up. Generosity is not without risk. And there's a whole TED talk about this, uh, that being... Being generous is not always easy. It's easy to give when everyone else is giving or that's what you're supposed to do, but what happens when it's not natural or when everyone else is not giving? What happens when someone is going through something that that maybe is not easy to solve? It's a bit of a risk to jump in and try to help them. Um, And sometimes, and I'm not telling you all the time, I'm not telling be unwise and be you know, take too much risk all the time or um, be flippant about things. But sometimes some generosity takes a bit of radical risk. And But those are the things that can be the most meaningful and the most powerful.
1: We do not know what we can do unless we push the boundaries of where we're at today. Um, And, you know, I guess the thing is, is as you're talking, Bob, and I look at the rest of my life, I'm thinking, you know, I've got to keep pushing that boundary. Safe is not where I want to be as I go into these uh, uh, these these years going forward. Um, you know, we've been talking for quite some time now, Bob, and I appreciate your time this morning on a holiday. Um, I'd also, uh, you know, like to find out with everything what's still in your future. <laughs>
0: Oh man, that's a good one. Um, Well, first of all, at at its most basic level, everything that we've talked about, I'm still 100% all in. Million miles an hour. I'm going to continue to work at this stuff. We're going to continue to build our influence. We're going to build our our business, hopefully, to help people learn and be educated and live out their generosity. So that's number one. Um, I want you know that's a big, big focus of mine right now. And then there's another thing, you know, the, when it comes to more of like the visionary type of stuff and things that I don't, I'm not sure about, but want to see in the future. Uh, and I'm a big visionary. I, I need an integrator. If you've ever read the book Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman, uh, it's every visionary needs an integrator, and every integrator needs a visionary. I'm absolutely the visionary in our in my in all of my partnerships in life. Um, I would say this. I would say I think there's about to be uh in the next couple of years some kind of explosion of giving and the reason why is that if you're if you know if you're into the internet and technology like we're using today david is that there th- this whole concept of web 3 and the new way to use the internet as a collaborative thing and not just a way to so it used to be like web 1 was like okay i can go get information and then web 2 was like all right now i can not only can I get information, but I can share my information. I can put out a podcast, a YouTube channel, a blog. I can email people. I can share my thoughts all over the place. Web3 is all about collaborating. And that is at the key of that's at the heart of generosity and giving, right? When we can collaborate and help each other, uh, we're so much more powerful. So I see in my future something related to that being able to really maximize on the latest technology and using things like blockchain technology and digital technology, web three, whether it's NFTs or decentralized autonomous organizations, using these powerful tools to bring people together. I mean, you know, I just talked to someone from Australia this morning and he's all about, he was right on board. He works with uh, churches and nonprofit organizations and helping them share their message across the world. And I was like, wow, this is brilliant. So now, No long, it it used to be web one was, okay, I could learn from him, hopefully, if I could find his information out there somewhere. Web two would be, I can share back and I can share the information that I know. But now with this new world, we can collaborate from different sides of the world to help make it a better place. And my vision and thought is hope. and hope is that I can be involved in that some way, sharing that message so that more people can do it.
1: Well, you know, I'm going to follow that up there, Bob, because uh, in April, we did a all-day live virtual conference, uh, 17 speakers over, I think it was about nine hours, and we had people from the East Coast to the West Coast, to Canada, to British Columbia, and as you said, I had, a, I had doctor a doctor and a professor from Australia, so yes, I understand that collaborative because that's exactly what we did. So I guess, uh, without knowing it, I guess I'm moving into Web three.
0: You're you're right there. I mean it. It's it's coming. It's coming, David. It doesn't matter. You know, if you want to be or not, like people are going to be in it. So my my hope is to be on the cutting edge as much as possible. It sounds like you were, my friend. I mean, you're you're right there. That's great.
1: Gee, did I I didn't even know there was a Web one or Web two. And here I am working into Web three. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're supposed to learn something every day. And here I am. I'm learning today, folks. It's been great having Bob on our show. Um, Is there any last thing you want to put out there for our listeners before I ask my two closing questions?
0: The the last thing I'll say, David, or I'll add before the questions is I I heard a gentleman by the name of Andrew Witt. He was a musical artist say this once. He said, you may not change the world, but you may change the world for one. And if we can all think that way, don't measure your impact by some metric or or some other process that some other worldwide popular organization is is measured by. Uh, measure your impact by your effort. So if you if you work really hard to help someone out, you may not ever know it. You kind of alluded to this earlier. Um, sometimes we don't even realize the impact we make. But just be a kind and generous person, and I'm I guarantee you, uh, you'll be changing someone's world, even if you know it or not.
1: And how do they get to your personal website there, Bob?
0: BobDepasquale.com. you can head over there all my social links and my my book and everything that i have on my podcast you can find all the information about that at BobDepasquale.com. and the business website is initiateimpact.com
1: and uh i suppose there are all the links to connect with you and everything there
0: yeah, you can find, if you want to, I'll just tell you, if you want to find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter are my, probably my biggest platforms, at BDPA, B-D-E-P-A.
1: You know, I always ask this of, of uh, all of our guests, and I, I already kind of, you already gave it to me in a way, but I want to remind everybody, um, two questions. Where were you born?
0: I was born in St. John's Hospital in Smithtown, New York.
1: Okay. And I and I already got that one all right, but here's the last one. What is on your personal bucket list for the rest of this year, 2022? Now this doesn't have to do with business. This is for you personally, Bob.
0: So my wife is running in the Berlin Marathon in September. And so um, we are headed over there. Now we've had flights change and all this crazy stuff going on. So um, we love to travel and go to different places. And so I have never been to Switzerland. And that's one of the places that we're stopping. And it's like an overnight layover. We're there for you know, over a day. So my bucket list is to experience Zurich and go see a new city and hopefully learn something new.
1: Wow. Now, see, folks, there's reasons that we ask these questions. And as we close here today, and we thank you for joining us, those people that have come on and off the air uh, and listened to us uh, this morning on Podbean Live. We appreciate that. And to the hundreds and thousands of people that have downloaded, uh, we're over, I think it's right at 7,500 downloads. We appreciate that here in our sixth year. Um, Bob, the reason we ask this is because, you know, We are all on a journey i now know where your journey started we do not know where your journey is going to end but what we ask everybody to do that's listening on this podcast is make sure that what we do in between is healthy positive and proactive and in bob's case make sure that you add some radical generosity in there bob's been great having you on the show
0: thanks dave i appreciate it everyone get out there and be generous